You're listening to the PlantX Podcast, the digital face of the plant-based community. Join us as we explore the inner workings of all things plant-based, from the products and lifestyles to the people behind them. Whether you follow a strict plant-based diet or just want to learn more, you're invited. Now welcome our host, the man who combined his love of e-commerce and the plant-based lifestyle to create PlantX, Sean Dollinger. Thank you for taking time out of your Saturday morning to come learn a little bit more about the company for customers out there. Love you joining. I don't know what took place over the last couple of weeks, but, you know, organically sales have really started taking off in Canada. So, you know, thank you very much for joining, spreading the word. You know, we'll uh, be as big as we can be with everybody sharing all the great things about our company. Uh, for anybody who doesn't really know much about Plantex, we're your one-stop shop for everything plant-based. So if anybody is looking for meal delivery, different products for the house, shelf stable, uh, eventually everything you could imagine from cosmetics to uh, pet food and everything else in between. So, um, you know, that's a little bit about us. Yesterday, last night, after the closing bell, we went ahead and announced our first acquisition. And, um, you know, hopefully Katie and John are watching from London today. Big congratulations and welcome to the family, of, you know, officially. We had you on the show a couple of weeks ago. Everybody loved you. The uh, feedback was awesome. And, um, you know, it's the first acquisition of many, you know, and it's really, really important to now execute on it, you know. Uh, this year, you guys are on pace to do roughly $8 million. You're hitting all targets. Things are phenomenal. And next year, we're looking to do $20 million in revenue and keep growing from there. And then for you guys to come and help the team around the world grow out the uh, plant subscription side of things is uh, you know, going to be tremendous. So welcome to the team officially. Uh, happened last night. We'll re-release it Monday morning. And obviously, we've already got started this weekend on getting everything going. So um, thanks for your trust in what we're building here and uh, looking forward to much more. You know, I get asked often what Plantex is all about, little background on myself, 20 years of e-commerce experience, building specialty e-com. It's the only thing that I've seen that could overcome companies like Amazon and Walmart and the others out there that have massive online platforms. We've seen companies like Chewy.com, uh, the Honest Company, Diapers.com, and the list goes on, where if you create an environment around like-minded individuals, you can actually defeat companies like Amazon. And we're off to a great start. And, you know, I get asked, why did I start this company back in February or March um, when, when we went live, the website went live in April? And really, you know, you could, you could donate, you could back charities, but then you're only touching certain people's lives. And I wanted to create something that touches everybody's life. You know, 10 years, I've lost 60 pounds myself, and um, it's been a journey. But I can't tell you how much better I feel, how much more enjoyment there is by living a, a healthy life. And, you know, Plantex isn't about jump in, be 100% plant-based or vegan or anything like that from day one. It's really about being welcomed come and experience what we're all about. And I feel, and our team feels, and everybody part of the company who joins the company believes that if we could give people a longer and healthier life on the planet, what would be more rewarding than that? So, um, you know, that's a little bit about ourselves. Today, we have a very exciting guest on uh, the podcast, uh, the co-founder of Midday Squares, Nick, 
and uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Uh, from when uh, whoever is watching, there's this girl behind the scenes called Alex that reached out, and we've known her for for a while. So to to have it all come together has been epic. I'm pumped to be here. Great. Well, yeah, no, thanks for for joining. And obviously, you have an incredible product that we've uh, added to our shopping cart experience on checkout for our meals. But before we get into all the exciting stuff we're doing together, uh, we always like starting the podcast. It always says a little bit something about the person I'm speaking with. Uh, you know, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> Yo, it's it's a double shot espresso, nothing in it. Um, and 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 the more crema, the better. That's that's how it's always been. Yeah, crema crema is key, and uh, couldn't agree with you more. Good way to get the day started. So uh, it's, it's, it's part of like the routine, you know. You wake up. There's this whole. It just it's a vibe. That's that's how, like a lot of people will ask me. Some days I regulate caffeine, and uh, but I still have the decaffeinated versions, even though they're still a little bit. But I'm really there for the coffee experience, uh, less so the, the the caffeine at some points. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if if you know this about me or if I ever even said it, but I only do decaf actually. So oh, wow. no, I didn't know that. So people will see me have like five or six coffees during the day. They're like, oh my god, I just love the taste of of coffee. So I hear you. I really, I really vibe on the flavor of coffee, and and it's something that I've been my whole life. Kind of people have looked at me, and and you know, with that weird eye where they're like, you actually enjoy that thing? Like I'm like, yeah. I mean, I grew up in an Italian immigrant household, you know, so it's that that smell is ingrained in my brain. Yeah, nothing like the smell of a great cup of coffee. But you know what's brought my coffee to the next level? And not to give you guys a plug, but in the afternoon, a great decaf americano with a peanut butter. It's yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. I, I think our number one pairing amongst our customer base is coffee. Yeah, no, I, I bet. And um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit? I, you know, I know you guys have a, a fun slogan out there and a bunch of different things about your company instead of me getting into it. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what Midday is and, uh, you know, a little bit how you founded the company and your position over there, co-founded the company. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a stacked question in that there's there's so much to cover on that one aspect. But the the basis of this whole thing, if you even get into like the analytical approach that we took to building this uh, company, was the fact that you had a huge movement in real chocolate happening and a huge movement in, in plant-based proteins happening. And the growth was like extraordinary in those two areas. Um, and I mean, you guys know this best considering you're, you're devoted to the category is that nobody had really created a baby of the two. And so when we looked at, at what was happening in the market, um, you know, you had everybody that was doing like protein bars or vegan protein bars specifically was not really dedicated at all to giving a real chocolate experience. Um, it's usually, they usually use a chocolate, uh, covering that is based in palm kernel oil. And then everybody that was doing real chocolate, I, I like to plug Q kitchen cause I like them, but they were, they were doing, yeah, you know, they were doing a really good job of what they were doing, except they were doing it at price points of seven to $8. Um, and they were really dedicated to like the classic chocolate bar. And then when you looked at confectionery chocolate, confectionery chocolate, what I would, you know, put in that category is Reese, O'Henry, Snickers in the U.S., you know, all those types of chocolates um, are really dedicated to two things, a chocolate experience and then having some type of other textural flavor experience with it as well, too. And we felt that nobody had innovated in that area 
Um, and, and it was really my wife that was the key to, to making this whole thing happen. So I spent seven years in software and um, I was a fourth man in on a company. And after I had sold out of that company, I had a two year non-compete. And that's when we got really serious in figuring out. So she wasn't even my wife at the time. She was literally just like just my homie. And we were, were figuring shit out and figuring life out. And I actually had invested a small amount in her clothing company when she was in New York. Because, I, I mean, she's just a really killer entrepreneur. And so when that didn't work out, and to, and to my experience, it was a super humbling experience. Because uh, I, I can actually say that... In one year of trying to sell haute couture fashion online, I was unable to sell a single item, not one, not one. And I pulled out every trick and stop that, that I knew. So I, I, I think at that point I realized I didn't have the golden touch. And so it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a humbling experience. But we loved working together. And that's when we really started to jot down what our networks look like. Um, I grew up ultimately in the food business, like every single person in my family is in the food business. Uh, my dad, uh, he passed away when I was 10, but he was a food distributor. So it's in our, you know, when I think about what my childhood was, it was it was walking around warehouses and fridges surrounded by, um, you know, just thousands of products. And that's something that I felt very comfortable with. And my wife comes from a long line of manufacturers. You know, she, this is a girl that, uh, a woman, I should say, that, that feels very comfortable in a manufacturing plant and just makes shit happen. So I think when we were jotting down all these things on the paper, it became clear that we wanted to do something in the food space, but it wasn't immediately um, obvious that, that Midday Squares was going to be that thing. And that's when we looked at, you know, actually we were, we were, we were spent a lot of time on morning oats because I still eat a lot of hot oats in the morning. And I think that that just has been the most boring category forever. Um, and, and we couldn't find a way to make that category 10x more interesting than, than what was already there. And, and we, we actually spent three months in that category uh, before, you know, to circle back to the start of this conversation, I got a report. Um, I have a, a, a good friend that's in the M&A industry, so mergers and acquisitions, buys companies specifically in the food space uh, that sends me reports all the time. And, and I was looking at a report and that's when I saw those two monster categories and, and essentially that there was a huge opportunity to have a baby. And so, you know, when we look at it, we call it functional chocolate. Les had been making that thing for me for like two years while I was still at the software company as just a friend. Uh, and, and when we looked at that data, well, when I looked at that data, it was like, whoa, this is what we need to do. And, and I remember I approached her, it was like a week before November 11th I know this because we got married November 11th um, and that's and that's when and that's when we decided that we were going to take midday squares to the next level and commercialize it amazing wow what a story and it's incredible and the bars uh, you know you bring up Hugh I was a massive massive fan of Hugh I would always uh, you know in New York go in cool experience cool products and then they started appearing more mainstream. And I started telling somebody here in Vancouver about it recently because they were asking for different products to distribute. So I gave them actually Hugh chocolate bars and uh, yours. And oh. she didn't even write me the next day about uh, the Hugh chocolate bar. Like she's like, oh, I thought you said those were, were good, like kind of, but she said midday blew her mind. And she said, <laughs> yes, like, and this just happened a few days ago. And she's like, please connect me with them. I want to order a bunch. So. You guys are doing a phenomenal job on, on that front. And then, you know, one thing that's really unique about your brand, like I was sitting with um, our uh, head chef, Greg, down in Los Angeles, and uh, he, uh, he had heard all about your company. And how did he hear all about it is 
through the social media you do, you guys are really unique in that side of things. You're not just a food product. You've kind of brought this intimate, cool kind of connection with your product. How do you guys go about doing that? And, you know, what, what, yeah. what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something that happened really organically because of my brother-in-law, who's the third uh, co-founder. His name's Jake Carls. It's my wife's brother. He, we had seen him build enthusiasm around a brand that he had prior to this, and he had no real operational experience, but he had built this enthusiasm around this company called Chase and Hunter, which was his company prior to doing this. And I remember being someone who's, I'm a lot more uh, introverted and, and a lot more operationally focused. When I was watching this, I couldn't understand the, the, the emotion that he was gathering uh, across Canada, at different university campuses. And then it became very obvious that this was the guy that we needed on our team to help us bridge that, like that brand lifestyle. Um, and then, so when we approached him, it was like, it was, it was a hard convince to get him because he felt that, you know, he had just come off something that didn't work. And he didn't want to come into the food industry in a category that we were going up against heavy, heavy competition. And he's just like, man, the odds of us being successful here are super low. Um, and, and I said, yeah, if you look at it from an outsiding perspective, it does look super low. But when you start looking at that data, like we spoke about it, there's, there's a pretty big opening here. Um, and, and so we finally got him in. And when we started brainstorming, I think one of the main things that came out of the brainstorm was everybody that's tried to replicate Nike at some point has tried to take the shoe approach. And so everybody thinks that the next Nike needs to look like a shoe. And so you have shoe companies that will try to sit, play that, that playbook and it just doesn't translate as well uh, because I, I don't think there could be potentially another Nike in the shoe space. Well, obviously you have Adidas, but, but you know what I mean? Those two big brands, it would be hard to really recreate that specialness of lifestyle that they created. I'm not saying you can't create a shoe brand, but uh, we felt that, that there was something that nobody had really ever created that true like lifestyle brand in food specifically. There's been a lot of great brands, don't get me wrong, but that evoke an emotion that's not really about losing weight or keto or any of this stuff. Um, and, and we felt that the world needed like just to feel good. Like every people are dying to feel happy, man. Like that, because every, you turn on the fucking news, it's horrible news. You turn on your Twitter, it's just people screaming at each other. Um, and, and when we looked at who we were as individuals, we're quirky individuals where, you know, we just have this weird vibe to us. And so Jake basically had this, this idea, which was why don't we a show the entire process of starting this company and be literally ourselves like at all times and show everything. And that's what started to build the momentum. And then when we realized that people really enjoyed watching that aspect of us, we doubled down. It was like, we, we all started becoming more comfortable in front of the camera we all started feeling a lot more comfortable calling it like it is showing shit that people wouldn't show um, and when we started seeing that the industry that was watching us start feeling split about what we were doing um, that's when we knew we were hitting the right spots cool no that's great and you guys are definitely doing a phenomenal job and one thing when I came over to see you that day I know you have a bit of a love for uh, for plants, so you know it's a it's full next together uh, the companies and uh, you know during these vodcasts we encourage people to uh, give comments, write questions, and everything of that nature so that you know we're giving people what they want. They're giving us half an hour of their morning on a Saturday morning or afternoon or whatever it is, or watching it at another time, 
So uh, Holger Gross uh, from last week has been really involved, giving us great feedback. So we wanted to give him a snake plant, which will be able to finally ship from Europe. So now people from Europe and the UK could all be involved. But um, yeah, no, I know you have uh, have that love for uh, for everything. I love it. I got into it as the pandemic hit. It was. Um... I, so I think I got really into the idea of wanting to play with 3D printers and I'm a big, I, I'm a big, I learn best when I'm working on real projects and I didn't want to just print random shit on the 3D printer. And so then that whole hydroponics movement started coming into play and, and then a lot of ideas started being stimulated and sorry, my brain started getting stimulated by a lot of ideas. Um, and that is really what brought me into the hydroponic plant growing movement. And everybody always says, oh, wh what type of marijuana are you growing? It's funny. It, it, weed wasn't what drove me to this. It was actually tomatoes and, and uh, sashito peppers. Um, so sashito peppers are really hard to come by. Costco is like the only person that sells them. It all comes from the same area. And uh, so I was really motivated, still am, to, to do a big crop on sashito peppers indoors. Cool. No, that's that's awesome. And I love I love them. They're amazing. But um, yeah, so I guess just to wrap up, we've got a really interesting question for you. You know, what's the new, next direction for you guys? Is it another flavor or is it another product? And then uh, the second part of that question, would you be interested in perhaps doing uh, something with Plantex, uh, a special midday square flavor. So that's uh, that's the question to wrap up the day. All right. So so what's next for us is we've largely been a Canadian company. Um, you know, I think when we look at company growth, we look at it always in steps. And and so the first step when we were producing this product in our condo was to prove that people actually cared and wanted to eat and interact with the brand. And so that was like, okay, check. We were able to get that point. The next step was, can we produce this to a level at which we can actually sell it to grocery stores and not just independents and small shops? Um, that required a bigger kitchen. Check. We were able to scale into that area. People were still enjoying it. Then the big, the big key for the business to make sense was, can we scale production? And so when we started the business, we had no manufacturing plan. And that was really important because literally, and this, this goes back to, I think you've been through this in your life a lot too, is as entrepreneurs, you end up hearing a lot of noise. And throughout the entire process of starting the company, we were consistently told that we couldn't make this product at scale, that nobody wanted to do it. And that was largely true when we would go see manufacturers um, because it required a lot of investment to retool and get the plant set up to, to make midday squares the way we wanted. And so when we were speaking with investors and everything, like the number one question always was, it's great that you have this product and it's great that people love it, but how are we producing this at scale? And so we spent largely all of 2019 focused on two things, really. It was like, if you came to the office, we sounded like a broken record. Launch peanut butter and get the manufacturing plant up and running. And so as of January 2020, we moved into this plant. And uh, three weeks after you came to visit the plant, we, we finally got the machines up and running. And, and, and our first midday squares came off a fully automated line. And so this, this next year for us is about completing the rollout with Loblaws in Canada, which will, we will be in every natural uh, store across Canada and major. And then we uh, signed a deal uh, for the U.S. to do a national launch in February. And so 2021 is all about getting that right. It's about not going too hard, too quick, but really making sure that our piping 
is in perfect position for us to scale our manufacturing plan and ship the product all over North America. And then, and, and we have a stretch goal of launching one more flavor. Awesome. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. And then we'll have to look into some collaborations uh, together. In yeah, the future. So I, I did want to answer that question though. So the, the, the key thing that will, I know our audience sometimes will message us a lot for, for, for flavor development is the difficulty uh, in making a flavor is hard. It's hard. And so when we did our collab, uh, last one, we did it in Midday Pops, right? We made ice cream with our product. It's actually easier to do something with our current products, converting it to another product in a kit than it is to actually make a flavor because a flavor requires hardcore R&D. Um, and, and I think that's the part that the general consumer always uh, misunderstands is that uh, in each one of our products, a thousand people touch the product in the supply chain. Just like think about the magnitude, a $3.99 product has a thousand people touch that supply chain at any given point in time. It, it's it's complex, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah, no, for sure. And then someone else wrote here, uh, any plans in expanding to Europe, Germany? We'll find a way, obviously, to hopefully get them a couple over there with our FedEx connections and all that. But I guess they're asking more mainstream, uh, you know, is the 2021 yeah. goal really North America and then hopefully expanding globally after that? Yeah, the, the, the beauty about what we did is that the plant that we built, it's done. We don't ever have to do the R&D to build that plant again. It was a fixed cost. It's done one time. Um, and so really to supply Europe efficiently, we'd have to build a secondary plant. Okay, cool. Good to know. And, uh, you know, thank you very much for taking time out and uh, on your Saturday. I'm sure we could speak for hours. I know at your office that day, it was supposed to be a 15 minute meeting that ended up turning into a couple hours. And we That's had what happens when you put some passionate people in a room. Yeah, I know. And you could feel the passion through the camera here today. And uh, you guys have been an incredible partner and we look forward to launching your product in our uh, store whenever we launch in uh, Canada and then live marketplace in San Diego. We'll have a beautiful display and be one of the first uh, people to carry your product down there. And we'll uh, be pushing it hard because we believe in the product and you guys. Can't, can't wait, honestly. And, uh, you know, like when when you asked to do, you never got to twist an entrepreneur's arm to, to get out there and speak about the product. So thanks for giving us a platform to, to talk about it. Yeah, 100%. Feel free to share, spread the word of Plantex. Obviously, everybody who buys meals on our platform, you currently are the only um, kind of dessert midday uh, kind of treat on that platform and it's going really well. So thanks again. And it was great having you. Rock on everyone. Cheers. So, um, you know, I started off the show by welcoming our uh, new partners, obviously, um, John and Katie with Bloombox Club, which will expand throughout the uh, throughout the globe. And we're really happy to have them. And I get asked about the, the poster behind me. Um, that I, I have framed what's it all about. And I still remember it. It was one of the nicest gifts anybody ever gave me. And it was someone who I had never met. He just heard about me. And he uh, walks into my office in Jupiter, Florida with uh, this poster behind me rolled up. And he introduces himself as Jeremy. And he uh, got introduced by a mutual friend of mine. And he says, you know, your friend speaks about you nonstop. And I started following your story and love what you're doing. And these posters were put up around the train stations uh, in New York City after World War II. And it was to motivate people to get back into the workforce and work. And, you know, in case you guys can't read what it says, it says the teamwork, always busy, always working with others, always getting things done. For all is for yourself. 
And, you know, the more I read that and share it with the team, you know, the more we work together, the more acquisitions we do around the world with the strongest partners. So we're always looking for partners in the strongest vertical. If we keep building that up, it's built at such a rapid rate. And then in return, each person's really doing it for themselves as well. So the stronger we can work as a team with the partners that you saw here today and everybody spreading the word about what Plantex is all about, bringing this well-being, healthy living to people all around the world, that's really what we're all about here. So till next time, stay curious, stay planted, stay healthy. So that's it for this episode of the Plantex podcast. Please check out investor.plantx.com to learn more, and we welcome you to join our thriving community. In the meantime, stay curious, stay planted, stay healthy.